The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Now, I'm a, uh, a teacher by trade, so I've got to have the whiteboard. So I hope that's okay. All right? We're going to do some drawings today and, uh, and have fun with that. But uh, before we start with that, um, I love this Christmas time because I love the movies that are on during Christmas, Right? I love watching Home Alone, I love watching Elf, I love watching Christmas Vacation, I love watching A Christmas Story. I mean, those are some of those classic movies that are on all the time during Christmas, right? And what I love about them, specifically, is that they all, while being funny, they all have messed up families, right? I mean, what family leaves their eight-year-old kid to go halfway across the country and, and to fend off his house, right? Or has the crazy uncle that comes in and, you know, tries to blow up the neighborhood by lighting up great things. Or has the, the son who's an elf and comes back and, and uh, the family is, is uh, divorced and they're trying to figure out how that all works and how his dad. And, you know, so I love Christmas movies because they reveal, I think, a lot of the brokenness that is in our world today, right? And that families aren't always nice and put together and, and, uh, and oftentimes are, are messy, right? And so uh, I want to share with our newest addition to our family. Uh, this is my daughter, Hannah, and her new puppy, Gidget, all right? We got Gidget about a week ago. It's about three, week, or three months old, um, and Gidget is a newborn kind of puppy. So doing what puppies do, uh, we have to take her out all the time, right? She pees all over, she poops on our carpet, uh, she chews on our stuff. She, we've got another bigger dog that she kind of tries to uh, uh, play with and he just gets annoyed. But, but it's changed kind of our family dynamic, right? And, uh, and it's not always fun. I think our daughter has learned that taking care of a puppy is hard work and it's messy work, right? And families are messy, right? Um, a lot of times... We think this, like, those people that come to church should have great families, right? Should be happy and smiling and, you know, that perfect family portrait, right? And that might look great on Facebook, but that's not real life, right? And it's easy to come to church for one hour a week and to look all put together, but when you go home or when you're driving in the way to, to, to church, that there's fighting, there's bickering, there's messy houses, there's, you know, just things that just aren't always nice and night and tidy, Right? Um, I can remember growing up as a kid, my mom would bribe me and my sister as we'd be fighting on our way to church, and we'd be hitting each other and, you know, bickering, and she would bribe us like, we'll, uh, we'll take you out to dinner or whatever, or I'll get you something nice after church if you can just be nice to each other now and throughout church, you know? And it was one of those things, like, yeah, we looked, we looked good in that way, and every family, I think, can say, honestly, they've got struggle and hurt, and probably families look more realistically like this. 95% of the time, right? Just kind of, ah, what's going on? And we're busy, we're stressed, we're, you know, there's all kinds of um, uh, just stresses of the world that other people don't often see in our social media kind of world where it's easy to post the highlights of our lives, but, but they don't only see the everyday kind of normal stuff, right? And so that's what we're talking about today is we talk about this all things new. It's our last week in this series of all things new, and we're, we're talking about families today. And how God makes our families new. And we're going to look at one of the most messed up families in the Bible, Jesus' family today. 
all right? And we're thinking, what? Jesus, he's the son of God. He's perfect. He, he's got a good family, right? Wrong. So we're going to actually read um, one of the most theological sections of Scripture that oftentimes gets skipped over. Um, we read Matthew 18 on Christmas Eve, if you were here, and it tells the story of Jesus. And most times when people tell the story of Jesus, they start at Matthew 18. But they forget Matthew 1 through 17 because it's not that exciting, right? But there's so much packed in there, so much theological stuff, so much practical stuff for our lives too. Um, and it's Jesus' genealogy. It's, it's where he came from. It's his historical record. It shows us that Jesus was actually a real person with real family that we can trace back, that we see in records, that, that all this, that Jesus was, was a real guy. And he had real family that was real messed up too. So um, I'm going to put this on the screen. I'm going to read this to you. I don't know the last time you read the genealogy. Uh, don't fall asleep on me. But there's exciting stuff in here, and I promise we'll unpack it. But as you look at this, just look at some of the names, maybe some that you may recognize, some that you may not. Um, but here it is. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers, um, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Abnadab, Abnadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Bo, uh, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abjah, Abjah the father of Asia, Asia the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jethram, Jethram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amnon, Amnon the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Genoah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, uh, Jeconah was the father of Shethau, Shethau the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abdud, Abdu the father of Elikim, Elikim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Achim, Achim the father of Elud, Elud the father of Eliezer, Eliezer the father of Mathon, Mathon the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, and husband of Mary, who was born Jesus, who is called Christ. <laughs> All right, a lot of crazy names in there. Some you've heard, some maybe you haven't heard, um, but we're going to pick this apart, and actually, this is where our artistic part comes from it. But um, uh, So you kind of have these, uh, this genealogy of, of Jesus, and it kind of uh, starts with Jesus right here, right in the center, because everything should point to Jesus, right? And then here you've got this family, right here to right here. And as you see, uh, that you have 14 generations three times, all right? So you've got, you've got it starts at uh, um, Abraham, and then it goes to King David, and then it goes to the exile, and then it goes to Jesus. So 14, 14, 14. Now the span right here is about 2,000 years, can you all see that? All right, if you're listening on a podcast or whatever, sorry, you can't see that, but hopefully, uh, yeah, you're getting that. So, you've got all this stuff with the family of Jesus. That's a lot of people. Now, now what does that mean for us? Well, that actually means a lot if you look at the people that are involved in Jesus' life. And uh, we'll look at these real quick. I want to show you that 
not everyone in Jesus' life was this holy, righteous kind of person, right? Um, you've got kings, all right? So I'll put kings here. And some of these kings, like Hezekiah or, uh, let's see, where did we go? Lost my page. Hezekiah or King David, um, King Solomon. It was a very royal line. But you also have people that were not kings, that were actually foreigners in this context. And, and that was huge because as you have Israelite people, you have foreigners. That, that was huge because it, it, it wasn't along the line of the Israelites, of God's chosen people. But God used those people in here to, to bring apart this family of Jesus. And you have people like, uh, like uh, uh, Ruth who married Boaz, and Ruth was a Moabite woman who was despised by the Israelite people and was, was kind of these, these ungodly people that worshipped foreign gods, but, but God used her in order to, to bring about um, Jesus' line here. You also have, uh, uh, you've got males, all right? And you've got females in here, which is huge, right? In a very patriarchal, society, uh, to have females in here was, was big, right? And you've got five of them listed in here. Let's see if you can, if you recall them. What? Rahab, Tamar, Ruth, Mary, and there's one more. The name's not specifically mentioned, but Bathsheba. Yeah, Bathsheba. And, and if you think about those women, even those, you've got, I guess, I'll put righteous people. Righteous people, and then you've got, uh, we'll just call them sinners because, well, they're all sinners, but, but they're sinners in the eyes of, of the people, right? You've got the righteous people, you've got the good kings, you've got uh, David who is considered righteous, he's considered a, a man of God, but, I mean, he's kind of a both and, he's also a, a big sinner in a lot of different ways. And, and you've got um, uh, people like, like Tamar who, who uh, was kind of a, a prostitute that slept with, you know, uh, her brother in that way. And you've got um, Rahab, who was also considered a prostitute. You've got Bathsheba, who slept with David um, and, and um, went behind her husband and then was okay with, with David killing her husband in that way. Um, you've, got, you've got good kings. You've got bad kings. You've got um, like Ahab and Ahaz, um, where it says, if you go to uh, the book of Kings, First and Second Kings, it talks about all the different kings at that time, where it says um, that they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They did evil in the sight of the Lord, yet they're still part of this family of Jesus, which is a very powerful thing. And you had the good kings. You had all those kinds of things. Um, and so you've got this combination of, of good, of bad, of evil, of righteous, of sinners, of male, females, kings, foreigners, rich, poor too, right? Um, I'll put that down. Rich. You've got people like Solomon, Right? He had all the, the riches in the world. He could, he could do whatever he wanted. And then you've got poor people, like Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph. They were just humble, poor kind of um, uh, carpenter and, and people that, that didn't have a lot. And so you've got all these different demographics of people leading up to Jesus. And then when we get to Jesus... Everything changes, but not much changes at all, right? Because once Jesus comes, he comes the cross, 
And that's important. And that's where we're going to read our verse that we read earlier. When we get to, to Galatians. And it comes up here. But I want to show you, too, some prophecy first. And, and first is uh, that, that this was all part of the plan, right? You've got Abraham. And here's some verses that show that Abraham was going to be part of this father to Jesus and part of this line. There. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You got Father Abraham with many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Yes, that classic son, right? Or that classic song from VBS that you learned that, that shows you that, that Abraham, many sons, and as a descendant of Jesus. And then you've got David too. Um, oh, there's another one from Genesis. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. It's talking about Jesus, that through Jesus, everyone will be blessed. All right, go to David. Here's, here's the verses about David. Second Samuel says this, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. All right, and then I think I got one more there too. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. Part of that covenant is that covenant of the family of God that, that leads to that bloodline of Jesus. But then, all right, so I read this article this last week, and it, it kind of shocked me. The title shocked me. It said, the one page of the Bible I'd like to rip out. Anybody read this? All right, it's really cool. Uh, now, there's... There's probably certain pages of the Bible you'd like to rip out, you know, the pages on what you need to do with your money or talking about lust or talking about divorce or talking about whatever it is. We all have things that we're like, oh, God, why did you say that in here? But this guy argues that the one page of the Bible he'd like to rip out is that page in between the Old Testament and the New Testament that says the New Testament, that differentiates the Testament. Because we're going to talk about this uh, in the coming years, we talk about the story and the story of God. It's really one big story. It's not just two stories. Jesus, yes, connects the two stories, and, and this is all the Old Testament stuff, and here is the New Testament stuff that comes out of here. But really, it's all one story. And oftentimes people think, oh, Old Testament is law. Old Testament is this God who hates people and kills them and, you know, all this. But, but no, and, and People think the New Testament is this, this God that is just all about love and grace and you can do whatever you want and it, it doesn't really matter. And there's, no, but there's gotta be a balance. There's a balance of law and gospel and our God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And so, so we've got this, this, this God that stays the same and, and this universal kind of thing. And so here's the second half is that everything flows out of Jesus. Now that Jesus has come, everything's changed, but everything's still the same when it comes to families, Right? And so here's what Galatians says. Uh, I'm actually going to start a little bit earlier than what we had up there. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law. We were locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You see, the cross has changed everything. No longer do we have to do good works. No longer do we have to... Uh, do whatever to please God. We don't have to make sacrifices. We don't have to do any of that. Um, he has finished it. We are no longer under that law. Now, our, part of our response to this cross is that we want to do that, but, but that's different. We do not have to. We are not obligated to do that at all. Jesus has done it all. He has paid the price. We are no longer under the law. 
And because of that, now we're sons of God. And so we are part of this family that keeps going out from there. And says this, You are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. It was cool. On Christmas Eve, we had two baptisms of, of two young, um, young guys. And it was just awesome to see that, that they are now part of that family. That God has called them into, their family, into his family and, and has claimed them as his own, right? And then it says this, there's neither, neither Jew nor Greek, all right? So Jew nor Greek, really, if you think about it, that's really a cultural reality, right? So, so there's, we have different cultures in our world, but God doesn't differentiate. It's all, we're all one people. We're all made one in Christ, right? So cultures, it does not matter. And then it goes, uh, slave nor free. I, I like to call that social status, That no matter if you're poor, if you're rich, if you're middle class, if you're whatever it is, it doesn't matter. God is for you too. Jesus is, is, has come for you. You don't have to, to have the right things. You don't have to have the right money to give to people. No. Think about the, the widow who gave all she had and she had that one little coin, right? And then the last one here, neither male nor female. So it's still with the gender that we're all called in Christ to be his people. And that is amazing right there. So it goes on. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed. See how it connects it back up to here? If you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed. And it goes all the way back to there. And heirs according to the promise. Here's the best part. Because you are an heir, because you are now in the family of God, no matter what culture or social status or gender you are, you are now part of the family of God, right? And the best part about being an heir, about being the family, is that you get the benefits of that family. And what are those benefits? We're going to look at those right here. What I'm saying is that, uh, that as, no, as long as the heir is a child, he is no lot different than a slave, although he owns the whole estate. Meaning that, that we will get that inheritance. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, I love that phrase, when the time had fully come, you could do a whole series of messages on this, but when the time had fully come, that's, that's uh, Paul saying here that, that at just the right time, Jesus came into the world. That God knew that, that this is the time when, when he needed to come. And if you think about it, there was, the society was set up in a perfect way that Jesus' name would be spread at that time. You had Roman roads that were being built and the technology, technolo technological advances that were going on um, where now the gospel could be spread further um, and, and faster because of those roads. You had something called the, the Pax Romana, which was the peace of Rome, which meant that all the countries surrounding Rome were in peace with one another in harmony so that now you could cross those, those country lines and, and not feel for persecution or, or any of that. So now they could go to spread the word of God and the hope of God to those other places without persecution. And then there was uh, a common language. Before you had every kind of place having their own language, but now there was this common language that, that people could go share and didn't have to worry about translating or, or in those sorts. And so the gospel was able to spread so much quicker and faster because of these perfect things that, that at the time when Jesus came. So, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. 
He sent Jesus into a world just like us, born under the law, right? And yet, Jesus conquered sin, death, and the devil by being the only one who could live a perfect life and die on a cross. When I used to teach confirmation, I always said, there's two ways to get into heaven. And we always had parents in the room, and some of the parents would kind of cringe and be like, Wait, what? There's two, two ways? What? Number one is to be perfect, which obviously none of us can do. And then number two is to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so because of that, he allows us access into that family. And to finish up here, it goes like this. Um, Born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. All right, here's where the fun part comes. Because we are in this family right here, now we have the full rights, all right? We get the rights of God, which are love. We get peace. We get, hmm, I don't know how to draw joy, so I'll just write joy. We get hope, right? All these things flow out of being in this family of God, right? So those are the rights of God. We, we get those because we're part of God's family. And then it says this, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of the son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So now we have the spirit, and uh, I'll illustrate that with, with fire, right? We have the spirit of God. It's good fire right there. Um, and God has sent his Holy Spirit in our life, so that's, that's also what we get for being in this family. That's a great gift, because now we can call God by name and we can engage with him. Back in this time, you had to go to the temple. You had to go somewhere to engage God. You had to go through someone to engage God. You had to go to a priest and, and give him your sacrifices, give him your prayer requests, give him your, your um, offerings, and then he would then be the mediator between you and God. But because of Jesus, Jesus is now our mediator. He gives us his Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit allows us to then communicate with God anytime we want that's a powerful, powerful thing, right? So that's gift number two there. And then the last one is this. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. So what do heirs receive? Heirs receive the inheritance. And the greatest inheritance that God has for us is, if you think about inheritance in traditional ways, it's, it's either money, it's land, it's possessions in that way. Um, but in the family of God, it's, it's, his, it's his land. It's his estate. And so we get eternal life. Whoop, can't spell. We get heaven. And John tells us that. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have, not, I would have told you. But I go there to prepare a place for you, says Jesus. He's going there to prepare a place for us because we are heirs of Jesus. We are heirs in the family. And we receive all these awesome gifts because we are part of the family of God. Now here's what you may be thinking and I was thinking as I was writing this is all right, that's great. That sounds really great and churchy and like cool but but not always practical. Because I don't know about you but uh, I've worked in churches for about 12 years and I've been hurt by the church. And, and this family is not always nice and neat and not always tidy. Um, and maybe, maybe you've experienced that in some way where you've been hurt by 
people in your church or you've been hurt and you've come seeking a, a different church, right? And, and I'm going to tell you that, that anywhere you go, you dig deep enough, you're going to have the ability to be hurt in some way because a church is made up of imperfect people that, that are messed up, right? This family is just as messed up as this family over here, right? But the good news is that, that because of Jesus, that that trumps everything. That we still live in our families today, even though our families at home are messed up, or our extended families. We, Jesus still shone through and did his thing, even though his family was messed up. And guess what? Even though sometimes our church families are messed up, and, and people often say, well, I, I can't go to church. I've been hurt too badly. Well, know that that shines through. That Jesus is bigger than that stuff. And yes, there's hurt and there's pain and there's sin and and we all get hurt in certain ways, but but that's what family's about. Family's about loving each other through that even when times are tough. And the promise of that is that we get the rewards of living in that family. And that he has died, he has died risen again, and we'll get to that. That comes on Easter, but we can celebrate that every Sunday. And so my hope for you is that you imagine a place where our world is impacted by the church, right? That our world can experience this too, because oftentimes culture is something that our world is messed up. If you think about the shootings or, or whatever, whether it's over race or you think about social status and, and the rich and the poor and that divide that we have there and that, that what are we doing with our, our lower income people and how are we helping them out? Or with gender, how are we, we lifting up and, and, and helping out and giving equal opportunity to all? And that's what the church is here for. The church is to bring light to our world, to a broken place, and to illuminate and to bring these into balance and to... to share joy and hope and love and peace in the spirit of God and to hopefully that everyone would come to know, love, and follow Jesus so they could come to know the benefits of eternal life. And so we have a big journey, church. We have a big, big task ahead of us, right, as we go out. But imagine what that would look like in, in our churches if we loved each other in this way. And imagine what that would look like in our, our, um, our cities, in the city of Lander and Cedar Park or wherever we're from if we live that out to our neighbors and to our families, imagine how our world would be changed. I'm going to argue that it already has been changed. That because of Jesus, knowing that he's come from a messed up family and that it's still going to be a messed up family that we live in. We're, we're a bunch of nuts, guys. And, uh, but that's okay. But there's hope. And that's what's so great about the holiday we just celebrated with Christmas is that we have hope we have joy, we have peace because of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and uh, we're broken people. We're broken people with broken families and broken relationships and so God, we ask that you would, you would heal us, that you would, you would forgive us of our sins, that you would cleanse us of that, that, that you would restore us and we know that you give grace and that you do do that. And that we ask that you would restore our broken relationships and, and the people that have hurt us that we forgive and the people that, um, that, that we need to ask forgiveness for, that we go to them and we, we reconcile. 
And God, I, I pray that you would give us, uh, give us that hope. That hope that, that even though things are messy, that you shine through, that you are the center of it all. And Jesus, we, we love you. We thank you for who you are, what you've done, that, that even you came out of brokenness. And that you love and you redeem our brokenness, and we thank you for that. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.